0: Hello listeners, my name is Titus, and today you're going to hear me riffing on a number of different ideas, as I am wont to do. I'm I'm not very good at sticking to a singular point and finishing it completely, but hopefully there's enough time here that we can cover an idea, at least in part, and come to understand it a little better. The particular thing I want to talk about today is community. What is it, and how does it affect us? How is it an integral part of what it means to be human? But first, we have to define our terms. What is a community? Well, the the solution that I've found most convenient is to first go to the dictionary. Merriam-Webster defines a community as a unified body of individuals, then says, such as the people with common interests living in a particular area, a group of people with a common characteristic or interest living together within a larger society, a body of persons of common and especially professional interests scattered through a larger society, a body of persons or nations having a common history or common social, economic, and political interests, a group linked by a common policy, a state, an interacting population of various kinds of individuals. The the types of communities are various, incredibly various, as shown by the variety of potential situations. But what unites them? It is unity. Unity is what creates community. But it's not just unity of one person with him or herself. That's not community. That's simply the nature of man, to, to agree with himself. He'll agree, disagree with himself sometimes, but no man will survive forever disagreeing with himself. So unity is not sufficient. It is the unity of multiplicity. Two or more people are necessary for a community. And then the community must come around something Unity is great and all as a thing to be preached. In fact, we hear it preached in many, many places as this, this fantastic virtue of unity. Oh, isn't unity great? We need, to, we need to push for unity. We need to support efforts for unity. Look, unity is fine and all as long as it is unity around something and for something. Otherwise, it's not unity. Unity can't happen where you're not unified around any principle. And then, once you have united around some principle, you must then analyze, is it a good thing or a bad thing? This is where conflicts between communities could very easily arise. The very fact that multiple people are united around some idea means that if someone disagrees with that unifying idea or that unifying system, or is not a part of that unifying identity, they will be placed in some form of conflict with that community. Indeed, I would argue this is the fundamental source of the nation. It begins from the smallest level of community being united with itself and branching out by these smaller communities, i.e. the family, branching out into a larger community, a collection of families. That collection of families branches out even larger and so on and so forth, until there are sufficient number of people in that space to protect them from any outside community wishing to enforce its own unity upon them, right? Once we have the conflict between An individual in a community, it is is no far step to say there will likewise be conflicts between one community and another, and consequently there is further need for unification and expansion of the systems of unification, the degrees of unification. Those people with the most unity around the greatest number would in theory have a greater advantage. Yet again, I want to nuance this point by saying unity around some inane subject, some meaningless point, or some falsehood will get you nowhere. It will do absolutely nothing, because as the size of the community increases, as the scope of this community increases, the internal weight of discontinuity and untruth will bear in on that community and collapse it. Thus the balance must be drawn between finding a community of, of sufficient size and finding one of sufficient truth. And when creating a community, both are important as well. If we're creating a community, we want to we do, should, ought to indeed desire to create it, to bring in people, to grow, to expand. A community that doesn't seek to expand, will generally die out simply because there are other people and other ideas and other communities competing for members. One that's not seeking to expand is generally not a part of that competition. And by the nature of competition, it will begin to recede and fall apart and fall into disuse. Things that are not actively upheld and more than upheld, actively seek to spread while maintaining the truth value around which they are centered will tend to last more often, will tend to last more, more a longer duration of time. This is, this, is a, this is a very delicate balance as sometimes seeking to expand will put you in conflict with other communities. and, and that conflict means that the people of the gray zone, right the, those who are caught in the, in the center of the conflict, They're going to have to decide based on principles. And if if they do not agree with your principles, even if you are outwardly expanding towards them, even if you're outreaching to them, people of those communities will simply reject you because they do not like your principles. But at the very least, a community of a certain type will always maintain its population. That type being, well, based on normal demographics, the family. For centuries, for, for, dare I say, millennia, the human race has averaged two or three children who survived to adulthood. Now, they used to have much larger families. People used to have much larger families. Men often had multiple wives because their wives died in childbirth. And this is a tragedy, an absolute tragedy. And the beauty of the modern world is that that great cost is no longer necessary for the maintenance and growth of a society. Indeed, now, having two or three kids pretty much guarantees that you will have two or three kids who will survive to adulthood. This is the, this is the way that people have lived for, for generations, and therefore, a local community would tend to maintain itself if you had that environment. Now the danger would come when those who are adults have other sources of conflict bring them to an untimely end, right? whether this is war or, in the case of women, as mentioned before, childbirth, or disease, right, where an entire third of, of, of Europe's population, for anywhere from a third to 60%, of Europe's population was wiped out with the Black Plague. There There are major events that have happened in history that have decreased populations, decreased the size of communities by no fault of their own. But the communities that last long consistently are the ones that replace themselves. Duh. I mean, it's 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 a ridiculous thing to state, but a community that is to endure must replace itself, and part of that is going to be maintaining those who are currently in that space, because the people in the space are at least already there. If you have to replace somebody who leaves and grow, you're not going. You're going to have a much much harder time growing, but if the people who are already in the community. Are leaving the community, when new people come in, the community will, will begin to struggle because those who come in will understand that part of the community, part of the unwritten rules of the community is that people leave. So this is where we get this is where we get some of the other sides of community, right? The unity of community is not necessarily around a conscious concept. Not all communities are united around something that they think through or something that they plan in advance. Some communities I, I would argue especially with children are are created spontaneously. Right? When you get people in a in a similar vicinity, there is some there is some basic unity created. But the cliques that evolve, the, the sm- subgroups that pop up with these relationships that they that they develop those are not deliberately created. They are not deliberately planned in many cases. Sometimes they're, a, again, a, a symptom of people's interests or the different clubs and hobbies they do. But even then, there's something about though that, that community that is exclusive, not necessarily by design. Here we see another point of conflict. All right, the underlying divisions within a community may not be a part of the design of the community as in as mentioned earlier right where where one community conflicts with the main ideas of another sometimes the conflict doesn't come with something that is necessarily an integral part of that community right so for example for example there's not much reason that people who who watch football should exclude the crochet community from their group. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who crochet and who watch American football. But there are some severe dissimilarities between those groups. And generally speaking, we don't think of those as groups that overlap very much. Why? Well, it's not, it's not as though either one of these communities has deliberately gone out to push against it or or either one is directly opposed to the other it's simply that the people who are interested in these things tend to be different than those who are different in the other of the of the two and in those cases communities can exist in parallel with no conflict indeed somebody could be a part of a third community right like their local community and be a part of one group and their local and another person could be a part of that local community and a part of the other group. And, and, and while they have groups that are exclusive outside of this, they have their common uniting factors. And this is where unity again becomes an interesting topic. It is what is the most important point of unity? Certain communities will make certain demands. Certain activities are more important or they, they require more time. right? In youth, this is a lot of the time sports. I, I, th- I do think we overvalue sports for our children. Uh, we should just get them out and playing uncontrolled, un- unregulated sports. That's that's healthy. I'm not going to get on my soapbox. This is my soapbox. Who am I kidding? I'm not going to go down that path right now. But for those who do it, it is a severe time dedication. For adults, if you are a volunteer at a local charity, that's going to make some demands on your time. If you're a parent, the community of the family will have significant demands on your time. If you're employed, your employer, right, that community of people who work in the same office or people who work on the same feature or people who work in for the same company even, right, as broad as that, that community will make demands on you. And that's okay. Right? Lutheran the Lutheran doctrine of vocation. Not not all things are the same, and each person has their own calling and their and their own, well, I would you say, communities that they need to serve, because they've been called to be a part of these communities. But we do have to question what's more important. A father has to ask the question, is my job and my paycheck and the overtime that I would work more important than taking care of my children? Is the comfort of this place where I live and the opportunities that it provides for me and even for my children, well, is the expense and the time commitment that i must put forth to pay that expense is that is that worth the cost of what i'm of what i'm giving up with my children not being a part of that community as much right time becomes the ultimate commodity it when we think of the human experience as a set of communities Right? Of, of people moving through different communities and dedicating their time to each of these different communities. Suddenly, we put money in its proper place. Money is time spent that, time spent in one community that another person values enough to give you some of the time that they have accrued from someone else who valued the product that they gave. right? So right, we think of products and services. right? I give you an apple. right? Now what did I do to get that apple? Well, generally speaking in the modern world, I just stored the apple and someone else uh, shipped the apple to me from somebody else who stored it, from somebody else who had shipped it to them, from somebody else who had picked it, from somebody else who had grown it right it is that long chain of events that actually makes it a cheap commodity because that means that well for me personally you're not saving me a whole lot of value right you're not i'm not providing you i'm not providing you a lot of value when i sell you this apple or at least not in regards to how much I had to put into it, right? The, the the proportional amount of work that I had to do is not very great. And, and well, there's another apple down the road, and, you know, it's not that hard to get because we have all these systems, all these complex systems that, that are in place to to provide this apple to a person. So the amount of time that you are saving by me providing that to you is, it's not very great. And so it's not worth a lot of money to you. And because it's not worth a lot of money to you and um, that that isn't something I can therefore charge you for, I can't charge you that much and it's a relatively cheap commodity, right? But at the same time, you didn't have to go and grow your own tree and grow your own apples and pick your own apples and transport them from wherever that tree is to wherever you would eat it and then get that apple. So it did technically save you time, which is money. All right. this, this, this idea of, of money as stored time is, is something I've heard recently from uh, Jonathan Fisk. Pastor Jonathan Fisk has a great, great podcast. I highly recommend it. Uh, some some radical ideas, and I love them. Not all of them. Some of them are, are some of them are crazy, but he's, he's he's got some good points, right? The idea of money as stored time where in in the modern corporate world, the fact that you are saving someone else time from having to do something that they would have to do so that they can save some, another person time, you know, and, and then we have this grand system of saving other people time that makes us our wages. And we, we store that time that we put in, in terms of some wage, and we get some value out of it. And the entire economy is based on how much time the the general public perceives is saved by some activity or by providing some service such that they don't have to do it themselves. And the, the competition of, of creating a business is trying to find a, a better way to save people time. Right, a, a better way to save people time allows you to make more business. To get more business, more people will come to you if you are are better at saving their time. And they will pay you the money so that they can spend their time on other things. Now, sometimes you get things like entertainment, right? What is entertainment? Well, let's say you're spending money to watch a story play out in front of you in some form, whether it's a film or a sports game or a play. Or a, or a music performance, right? You're watching some story unfold. Well, that's an experience that if you were to try and recreate it yourself, or if you were to try and think it up in your own mind, it would take quite a bit of effort, quite a bit of energy, and quite a bit of time. And sometimes more skill than you yourself possess. And so in order to save yourself the effort of trying to come up with a story that is as good or better, you give someone money to tell you a good story. That's entertainment. Because it saves you the time of having to do it yourself. All right. So now let's go back to communities, right? What is a community? A community is a group of people. Right? Multiple people. Communities need time to exist. People who, who exist in a similar area for... A snapshot of time are not a community they're not they may be unified by location but i would argue that in order to have a community ah see now i'm going to disagree with with merriam-webster right technically you could have a community with the people on the road that you're stuck in traffic with right but it's a it's a actually i don't need to disagree with merriam-webster it is a community that exists for a short period of time and is quickly dissolved if you happened to be with the same group of people in the same cars for 4 hours like your little block of cars was together for 4 hours you would you I almost want to try that as an experiment right what kind of community you would develop how would you communicate with one another what would you how would you feel when when somebody left that little caravan. I mean, we already get it where you know you follow somebody on the road, and they take the same turns as you, and you think, "Oh, wow, this is great." And then they leave, and you you, you kind of wave at them. Even sometimes, really, sometimes it's just in your head, and you're like, you think to yourself, "Oh, that was really cool. That was that was a cool that was a cool little moment." Why? Because you had a community, a a, a community that lasted longer than the average community in that environment. Who knows, maybe self-driving cars will create that, that ability to interact with those around us. We'll see. We'll see. But, but a community that is to endure, to last a long time, will require time investment. People put time in, and the community will exist for time, because that very input of time is the existence of the community. The more people put in, the mo- more time, the more robust the community would be. The fewer people leave the community, and the more people who are there and dedicating time to it, the stronger that community will be. Now, I'm going to make a presumption. People like being a part of long-standing communities. People enjoy participating in communities that have existed for some time, or are at least somewhat established. The, there are those who seek out esoteric communities they seek out their own little space. But in my experience, even in in hipster centrals, right where I was in Portland and I was in Seattle for some time, right even there, what you tend to get is communities of people seeking out strange things like smaller communities seeking out those those little experiences. You, you don't get singular people seeking out, communities for brief amounts of time and even then those people tend to find some community eventually. Why? I would argue that it is a part of being human to want to be with other humans. (laughs) Duh. Well sure but but think this out. Not just be around other humans in general right because we are by nature going to have that that going on from from the very fact of being a child we have that but to be unified because that's what a community is it's not just being around people it is being unified with people having some common spirit with them common breath common air I explored this idea over the weekend. I had a, an opportunity to speak with some fantastic people, old friends, new friends, new friends, new friends, slightly less new friends that at this point I consider old friends, which is weird, uh, but, you know, it's one of those where, where there's a common community that is so strong that I feel as though I've known them for, for much longer. Um, had, had some opportunities to talk about some fantastic ideas, some, some deep concepts and 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 cover into some some really poignant and, and even a few a few more strange topics, right. But one of the things that we did talk about and one of the things I enjoyed talking about was the idea that people are affected by the environment in which they exist, right that we codified this as the air, right The air you breathe affects you. The air that we breathe makes us who we are to a certain extent and we breathe in that which is around us and breathe out that which is within us. Being in sync with a community would mean that what you breathe in and breathe out are the same or temperamentally the same. Uh, you're not breathing in something that's, that's polluted and breathing out something that's, you know, misshapen and you know green smog or something I mean, I mean even then you're in sync with the community but in a un- very unhealthy way right but what if the what if the pollution's red then well i mean you're still not in sync right but the point being the air that you're breathing right the the ideas you're taking in the words that you're taking in right because because words are air words are breath right air even even with even transmitted over the internet even transmitted through microphones and headphones. Words are still breath. Because the the fundamental of of the human voice is it is a vibration in the vocal cords, which creates vibrations in the air, which are shaped by the mouth and propagated out into the world. The fundamentals of the ear are that it picks up vibrations through the air at certain frequencies and translates them into, well sound and and the miracle of the human design is that we are capable of learning that certain vibrational patterns correlate to certain ideas. And I would say it is a part of design and this was one of the other discussions we had which perhaps I will say for another podcast. But a microphone simply expands the reach of that breath. It simply means I can make my breath affect a sensor an electrical sensor inside of this microphone here that I have and that microphone will store that that reading as a waveform right As a little little set of of ones and zeros that represent the the magnitude amplitude and frequency of the, the voice that spoke into it right it, it captures the breath and it transmits it by breaking it up into very tiny pieces and then a headphone or headphones or speaker takes those little tiny pieces and it spits them out by by vibrating some other uh, electrical component at the frequency that the voice was representing at the time that the microphone picked up. So so all it does is it takes breath and it transmits it into electricity and that transmit that transmits that electricity across some distance to someone else who wants to replay that breath, but it's still it still moves through the air right when you put on headphones or you, you you play a speaker you're still moving waves through the air because that is what sound is there is still breath albeit technical breath right or machine breath right the spirit of the machine is breathing into you right oh see now now we got now we get some interesting topics about how much we use technology Right? What is it that's truly breathing into us and where is it coming from? Right? What is the internet? Is 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 that is that a form of breath? Right? The the things that we see as well. I would consider the air, right? Now this is where the right, that whole diatribe I went into about microphones and headphones being breath doesn't apply at all with eyes, right? But we still consider this a part of the the space we're in. Right? The things you see affect the things you think. The, the The things you look at affect the way you perceive the world, which is why it is critical to guard our eyes from those things which are inappropriate, and especially guard children's eyes from those things which are inappropriate. It is important to be disciplined because what goes into a man affects what comes out of him. Right. Ultimately, what comes out of us are actions and our words. And the things we take in will affect those things. So we need to guard what comes in, the, the air that we are surrounded by. But what what defines this air? right? Because we are creatures who are free to interact with our world. We are free to go where we will and and meet who we will and and be who we want to be because this is this is about freedom. Well, We'll touch on that. But, but what affects that breath? The communities we're in. The spaces we interact with, the space we, we inhabit and we choose to remain in. This affects who we become. Perhaps not who we are at first, but the longer that a person would spend breathing in that air, hearing those ideas of that community being a part of a community spending time investing their time in that community the more they will come to take on the traits of the community and the more the community will come to take on their traits as well right a community a community it will be affected by the the air that you speak out this is this is a great confidence for those who feel that they don't quite fit in where they're at if you if you do spend time with it if you do spend time with it you the community that you're in so long as they hear the words you have to say so long as they breathe in your air as you breathe in theirs that sounds a little bit strange but bear with me right as long as you're you're breathing back and forth right as long as you're you're conversing they will take on something that you have to say even if you're wrong 90% of the time even if you you don't know what you're doing 95% of the time, even if you don't know what to say, 98% of the time. Simply speaking, simply expressing that will allow you to become a better part of that community because the community will realize the things you do not know. They will realize the traits that you do have or lack. And in order to maintain the, the community, if if they do, right, and this is, this is where knowing, knowing interpersonal relations is important, right, if they want you to remain a part of the community, the community will adapt, somewhat, to make sure that you know that it is safe to breathe that air. Some places, some communities, some groups do not want that, right? And and, and that can or can, that may or may not be healthy, right? And so now now now, see, this is where I'm spitballing, right? Now we end up with a situation. There's a community that's relatively healthy relatively long term, uh, but perhaps they're they're a little worried that they might be be decreasing or they or they want to make sure they're continuing to increase. And some of the people they bring in are not confident about some of the founding principles of this community. What do you do? As a part of this community, how do you welcome these people in? And yet, Hold fast to what you have. Well, the solution there is you have to make it so that these people understand, one, it is safe to breathe that air. Two, you are invested in the things that they have to say. And three, if if they have a legitimate point, right? If you, if this community, no matter how long it is, however, however long it has lasted, however convinced they are of their own righteousness, if this new person who comes by is able to point out something blatantly obvious that undermines something that these people have come to accept and acknowledge, well, then perhaps they need to recognize that maybe they've gone, oh, now I'm going to change sense, nose blind right nose blindness where where you walk into a boys locker room and it smells awful because it smells like sweat and yet none of the guys smell it and none of the guys care and in fact as a football guy former football guy in high school myself right there's a certain piece of that smell that that you love it's not a good smell don't get me wrong but but there's a piece of that 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 you've spent so much time around and you connect to some community, right? That, that you hold on to it irrationally, despite the fact that it's not a good thing. And it's, it's intended to tell you something's wrong. But if you ignore it, or if it, or if it seeps in slowly, and, and it just becomes a part of the way you do things, right? Suddenly that smell, that air, maybe that air is a little bit unhealthy. Or something in the community, something in the area is a little unhealthy, and you need to get rid of it to clean your air. This is, this is where tensions arise within a community and even between communities, and this is where te- communities could fall apart very easily. Because part of the problem with communities is that people are stinky. Stinky. people smell bad. and and in order to form a community, you have to to a certain extent ignore how awful we smell. Right? And the truth is you you ignore your own smell. So people who smell somewhat like you, well, you're already gonna like them. That's where some of the unity comes around, right. It's like, well, I can't I, you know you, you smell a little bit unsavory, but you're okay. Why? Because they stink the same way you do. Part of this would be family. I love my family. And I know the fact for a fact that we all—we well, we, we smell slightly differently, but this is not literal. This is this is an analogy, right, for those of you who might be listening, right? It's an analogy, but we all have our different smells, and we all smell a little bit weird. But nonetheless, we have that community, and in fact, we spent so much time together we've we've developed such a community together that we truly enjoy one another's smells and and are appreciative even even of the slightly strange ones that, that come out every once in a while. Because they don't matter ultimately, because there's a more more savory aroma to to arise. There's a cleaner air that we, we can feel, a comfort in that in that environment that we have. That transcends the fact that we st- we stink. Now we don't actually stink. Again, it's an analogy, right? Y'all smell great. I'm sure I'm the one who's always stinky, but but that's beside the point. It's an analogy, right? Same thing. And I'm going to be obvious at this point, right? A lot of this applies to the church, the Christian church, and 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 in my particular context, the Lutheran church, right? And there's a lot of sub conversations that I could have about that context. It truly is a a difficult thing to, to broach, but I think when it's when it's approached from a certain t- position, right? You could say that if, if if you went through this the past well, what are we at now? Thirty almost thirty eight minutes of context before getting to a discussion on what's up with the community. I don't know if it would help or not because some people are just downright stubborn. But right once again. It's about defining the terms first. This was one of the things that I actually very much enjoyed about the the time I spent this past weekend discussing with people and, and learning things. Right, Defining terms is critical at the beginning of the, of, of the debate. And be sure this is the beginning. This is only the beginning of a, of a conversation that, that goes on forever. So I guess it's not the beginning. But but it's my beginning, right? It's, this is my voice coming into it and saying, communities are complicated because people smell bad because because each individual right within this unified body of individuals has their own things that they want to see and the point of unity is always going to be something that is divisive as 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 frustrating as that concept is the the very fact that there are communities means that that there are certain people who are not part of one community that are part of another right otherwise it would just be the human race we would just define ourselves as the human race those things that are those things that unite people across all the set of all communities are what are part of what we define as as the nature of human right it, it, to be human is to have certain characteristics have certain traits have a certain psychology right so I, I would argue that human psychology is simply the study of of the, the communal traits of the unity of humanity. Those things which we cannot escape and, and, and because they unite everyone, they unite no one. They are so broad, so far-reaching that we just don't care. And that's okay because we also have the fundamental unit of the family. The fundamental unit of the family which has very little in common with almost everyone else on earth. Because it is a community of blood. It is a community. Okay, it's a community of people who are directly related. Now, you do have some families that are formed through adoption. And that is a good thing. And you do have some that are formed by the Unification of families who have been separated, um, or, or, you know, men, women who, who had children in, in other relationships and those fell apart, right? Those communities broke and they've come together. Yes, 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 you do, you do. But fundamentally, the reason that you have those is to rectify the other thing, which is the family by blood. The, you know, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Right? Be fruitful and multiply. There you go, community, family. The fundamental unit of any community is the fact that it, it extends itself from that. Why? Because that's the first community we ever interact with, is whoever whoever raises us. And I, I wonder sometimes if, if, this is, if this is the danger of raising kids outside of the, the family, of, of exporting the job of raising children. You, you tie them to a totally different community. Right? What community do most children in America participate in? What, what is their fundamental community? It's school. It's public school that's miserable that's awful right the other the other piece of that right what, what, what is public school right It is a, a low generally low standards, generally postmodern, generally atheistic community of educators, generally women um, and their peers right so it's it's those educators who are teaching them, those things, right, the, the atheistic, postmodern, modern, in, in all the wrong ways, right, government-funded topics, and it's their students who are also learning the same thing, right? It's their other students around them. Are we not surprised that when people breathe in this air, when they inhale this and, and and take it into their their own spirit, right, their own breath, when their own breath is affected by these things, that they end up spitting it back out, and are we not, should we not be completely expecting that when they do that, they do not acknowledge the value of the family community because they didn't grow up with it. It's not the fundamental unit for them. the fundamental unit is the state and their peers and it's their feelings and it's their it's their emotional attachment with a certain certain space and a certain set of ideas and goofing off because the standards aren't that good and because the public school is geared towards women and I'm getting distracted but if that's the if that's the community they're breathing in, why are we not surprised that the family is, a, is more maligned now than it has been in many years. That it, it requires defending. I would say you, you could very easily tie that to the, to the advent of public education. Because education, right, the raising of children, the most critical piece to sustaining any community, replacing that community, the only thing that replaces a community is more people. And the readiest source of more people is the two to three people that humans have averaged over millennia. And why are we not surprised that the devaluation of that, the devaluation of passing on traditions, the devaluation of having children, of raising them properly, of making sure that the air they breathe, the things that surround them are good and and efficacious and and edifying right and that they are they, that they build up the child to be a good person if we don't do that if we abandon those things we should not be surprised when our communities collapse and when new communities that we don't even understand form around them but we should also take hope. We should also take hope because in this absence, the, the the breath that they do find, which is not like the ones they're used to, which comes from outside, which which, comes, the, 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 their nose has not quite been acclimated to it, and, and which they smell, and, and it smells well, a little bit bitter, but, strangely familiar and, and strangely sweet when they smell that that breath and they see that that echo of a community that they've never they've never seen but but there's something about it that that because they don't understand it or perhaps because they know they should they're drawn to it when when they see that and they they begin to explore they begin to stretch themselves out they begin to question the air they're breathing and they begin to go towards this new bitter scent and then they meet people who breathe this air some of this air right because a full helpful of this new and bitter air would make them feel as though they are suffocating. And therefore, for those who do not know this air, who do not know this uh, this, this, this great and beautiful community, right, who, who've lived outside it for so long that they don't know the smell, those who are overly forward in pressing the the air of that community onto them may go very far in giving them well making them feel like it's going to kill them instantly and 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 because of it they back away right yes there's a, I get it there's a good theological point to be made there but then they run and then the bitterness becomes nasty in their in their in their nose Am I saying that we need to make this bitter smell more appealing to them? No. No, I'm not. But what I'm saying is when they smell it, when they see a community that, that doesn't make sense, where, where, where the, the, the different scents coming off of different people are, are truly diverse, where people could have fundamentally different ideas of, of, of what it is to be a person in some regards, right of, of of how you live, what job you have, what what house you buy, what car you drive, what games you play, when they see a variety of people, right, where one person may like to play games uh, for the sake of winning and understanding the the way that human minds work in order to play with them and and. Achieve victory thereby, for the sake of strengthening others against such such deceits in the future. Other people might not like that kind of game, right? And and I'm this, if this seems a little bit on the nose, it is um, to those who know, you know. Um, and it is meant in love. It is entirely meant in love. Um, love for victory. Anyway, the the differences in this community can, can 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 throw you off if you if you haven't smelled this smell right? the, the fact that that it's not just a singular, that there is a singular dominant smell but there are so many so many other scents to be there and and some of them smell familiar some of them even smell smell friendly but but the dominant one is still so 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 foreign and strange and as they begin to spend time here they begin to understand the scent because they are taking in the breath, right? Either through their ears or their nose or their mouth, right? They're taking in the breath of this, this space and they're beginning to learn what it is, right? And they become worked upon by this breath, by this spirit of the community, And and very good things can happen in that in that context. Very, very good. And 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 for those of us who are in the church, we ought not to we we do we do understand that it is not the first whiff of this spirit that brings people to faith. It is it is a, a long process by which the spirit works its way into that person's heart. And from that heart, see now the metaphor is going to fall apart into their cardiovascular system, and through their cardiovascular system into the breath that they then begin to breathe out. It didn't fall apart. And and sometimes that journey is a long journey, and sometimes it, it is a longer journey. And oftentimes we don't actually get to see it happen. But what we do get to see is that person coming in and smelling the air. And what we do get to do is breathe with them. Is spend time with their spirit, sharing the spirit that is within us. Now indeed that that puts a great responsibility on us to make sure that the dominant scent of our spirit is proper. Right, that, the, that the the thing that is, that is most prevalent when we speak, when we express ourselves, when we interact in a community with other people, that it is not that community, that is dominant. It is the word of God. It is the it is the breath of God, not the breath of the community. And I would like to, to make it very clear that this even applies in a church context because the church, each individual in the church, while they do need to be a part of the body of Christ I and mean, part of that, the actual physical community of a church is not always good-smelling, is not always clear. Now, thanks be to God, that is a constant thing that, we're work, that, that we as, as people are working toward is cleaning the air. Right? I mean, this is, this is where the saying would come from, clear the air, right? Do what? To remove those things which are not right from this space. Those things that are hindering us from breathing freely and clearly and truly. And I do think, I do think that if we focus on, on understanding that our breath smells awful that we stink and we need to work very diligently at brushing our teeth, at at washing ourselves, well, at being washed, at making sure that, that the food we eat is good and proper, making sure that we are holding one another up as a greater community, holding one another accountable. The, the breath of the one who is washing us and feeding us, right, of our Father, it, it, it will begin to work, wear off on us. The smell of our Father will begin to wear off on us, much as the smell of a parent does. We, we take on that characteristic of our Father, not by our own glory and power but because he's there taking care of us because he is there providing the air for us to breathe the spirit his spirit his spirit which is which is set apart from the rest of the world it is not a spirit of the age it is not a zeitgeist a time ghost no It is a a spirit that is set apart from the rest of the world that is holy. And when he sends his holy spirit to define the breath that we breathe, to shape it and to work through our hearts to breathe it out because we are so surrounded by it, than those who are around us, than those who, who meet us in our other communities at work or, or physically next door, or who are in our crochet club or our football club, or who are even in our family who do not breathe this breath. They will. They will, they will, they will be able to breathe it because, because the Spirit of God is working through us so that it is what we breathe. And when that comes, and when they begin to breathe it in as well, it will begin to work in them. And this is how every community works. But the beauty of the community of the church is that the unity that comes through the church the unity of the church is not a unity around something that the, that the people there have come together and determined. It is not a unity that, that people have formed. It is a unity that comes from God. It is a unity that comes from outside and it is a unity that will never be broken because the one who unifies the one who creates the church, the one who upholds and sanctifies and, and, and makes it to be set apart, that takes people from the stinky, smelly muck and mire that they have been wallowing in and picks them out and puts on clean clothes and takes them home and, and starts a feast and fills their homes with the incense of the sacrifice of the Lamb who was slain, that, that that one will keep them because he has promised to them the inheritance. He has promised to us. He has promised to me and he has promised to you, listener, as well, that you you will come out of this muck and mire, right? Eve, that though you die, you will live and and, and that the eternity... Is going forward where there is no muck and mire where there is no stench where the smells that have clung to you are gone are are washed away and there truly when we breathe in that fresh and clean and clear air it is it is full it is full to the brim with that breath With that breath that we first received so many years ago that that wondrous thing that God did when he went into that muck and mire and he formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into him the breath of life.